What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. You don't know what that ought is, Mr. Trash. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too fucking blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! We've said it once, we've said it again, we've said it a million times. The truth shall always set you free. This is Tim, this is Get Off My Lawn, the Matt Ramblings of a Gen Xer. Oh, so much to talk about today, so much to chat about today. Where to start? I was going to start and talk about the, the, the last remaining race in, uh, in Georgia. Uh, between Warnock and Herschel Walker. But I don't want to get into that right now because I got other things I want to talk about. And I want to talk about the the Biden administration and their love for the middle class, how it's always about the middle class, how we're doing everything for the middle class, how people who make over under $400,000 are never going to see a tax increase. It's so wonderful. Of course, technically, inflation is a tax increase, you know, but you don't want to get into that. You're raising the interest rates on everything, but you don't want to get into that. But many people do not know. And there are many people that sell things online. And it may not be, uh, you may not be like a small business. You may not be, you know, doing it as a, as a hobby career. It's people that maybe sell things on eBay, sell tickets, sell, just sell things in general that they don't need to make a little extra cash on the side. Now, most people do not that do not realize that under the American Rescue Act, because it's the American Rescue Act that cost us like trillions of dollars that superheated the economy and made inflation what it is, but under that wonderful act, there is a little there was a little known caveat at the time in reference to the taxing format, the tax format. So it now requires platforms to report any transaction over six hundred dollars. So you could sell a laptop on eBay and get paid via PayPal for $650. That, that now gets reported to the government. You could sell your concert tickets even at a loss um, and to, to StubHub or SeatGeek or whoever else, and that is now taxable income. You, you, you now get a tax form in reference fed. You get a 1099K form for any transaction over $600 using any online platform. So if you are a person, now I'm not, I'm not like an eBay person. I don't sell things on eBay. I, I, I don't sell things on um, you know, any of the platforms because, you know, I, it's just not what I do. Um, but I know people that do. I know a lot of people that do. So let's say you have a laptop. Let's say you purchased a laptop for $1,200 four years ago. And you go on eBay and you sell it for $700. Well, you're going to get taxed on that. That is now a taxable transaction because it's over the $600 threshold. The threshold for reporting used to be $20,000 in, in a year, but now it's six hundred. dollars So this, this caveat is supposed to, of course, it's going to help the small businessman. It's going to help the person that's just trying to squeak by by maybe selling a few things online because now you get taxed on this stuff. How wonderful is that? 
And the, the, the other caveat they have is that if you do get taxed on these things and you can prove a depreciation or a loss on that transaction, then it's not a taxable format. But of course you have to now prove that you're taking a loss on whatever that you, whatever you're selling. Now, like I said, payment apps previously were required to send users a 1099, excuse me, a 1099 K if the gross income exceeded $20,000 or they had 200 separate trans, excuse me, 200 separate transactions in a calendar year. No, no, no. Cause we're helping the middle class. It's any transaction over $600 online. So you, you could, you, you may not, you know, you're not, you're not a small business using PayPal or Vemu, whatever the hell it's called. You're not a small business. You're, you're just a person selling some things online, maybe selling some extra stuff you found in the basement, selling stuff that you've already paid a tax on to then turn around and be taxed on it again if it is over $600. <laughs> and I love it because it, it, is the IRS ready to handle this? And of course, this affects your taxes now. This will affect your 2022 taxes. And are the is the IRS right now available to handle all this extra forms that they're going to have rushing in? And if you don't have the paperwork, they're already saying you're probably going to end up being audited. You'll have one report for Ticketmaster, one report for Vemu, one report for uh, PayPal, one report for StubHub. And, and even people are saying this is going to be a honeypot for audits. Now, the new rule only applies to payments, they're saying, for received goods and transactions, not for using one of these services for personal expenses such as sending gifts, paying rent, or reimbursing a friend. In addition, like I said, people who sell a personal item at a loss are excluded from these rules. But here's the problem. You have to prove that you sold it at a loss. You have to then go back and say and show the government Listen, I bought this laptop and I bought it for $900 and now I'm selling it for $600 or $650. So that's a loss. But I love it though, because even if you are, and I understand that they're going after this small business owners that use these cash payment options. I understand that because they should be reporting and paying on this anyways. But this is going to affect millions of Americans who just use these services just to make a little money on the side, just to make ends meet. And these are the people that you say you are trying to help. It reminds me, and it goes back to Obamacare. There was a little there was a little portion of the bill that no one really took notice of. I did, but no one else took notice. A lot of people didn't take notice of. It is when the United States government took over the student loan market. They basically put out they basically put out of business companies who provided student loans outside of the United States government. They provided student loan services. So the government just took over that entire service. Now, if you get a student loan, it is a government-insured student loan. So evidently, you put the loan industry out of business, which was a small business, I will I'll admit that. But you put them out of business so the government could control the student loans. And, and I said this. If you guarantee these loans as government loans, university tuition is going to skyrocket over the next 10 years, 10, 20 years, because of the fact that even if the student defaults on the loan, it's a government loan, so it's insured, so the students in school, the school, the student doesn't get the money, the school still gets their money. 
how wonderful and how wonderful did that work out? You can't run the post office. You have enough time. You have enough problem, you know, running your portion of uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and everything for housing. You know, but now you're going to take over the student loan industry. You're, you're running Medicare and Medicaid in the ground, same with Social Security. But and I even said it when they did it. What possibly could go wrong with them taking over the student loan industry? But now you have some Democrats having a little bit of buyer's remorse coming back and saying, well, maybe we can proactively take this out of this bill. You know, maybe, maybe we can, maybe we can get it. Maybe we can take it away because, you know, maybe it's going to be hurting the people. And I love it because Joe Biden said no one under making under 400,000 would be targeted by his tax plan. This was going back when he put this in the American rescue act. This is going to hit people, not people that are making millions of dollars, but it's going to hit the middle class. It's going to fall directly onto the middle class. So make sure when you make sure you get your 1099 K form, because if you don't, the government will be coming after you right or wrong, good or bad or indifferent. They go, they are, they are going to be coming after you. And I also love it because there's, there's another thing going on that people aren't talking about. They're, they're, they're talking about, some issues that they're going to that that the government now is going to be looking into some of the 401k savings accounts. And what they're doing is uh until the law has the law has always required fund managers entrusted with your savings to invest the money where it's expected to make the top profits. That that was that is the goal. That is the goal of a fund manager. And I love it cuz it and I wrote this down entrusted with your savings to invest the money where it's expected to make top profits for you. Period. That's it. That's their job. But no, no, no. Biden's labor department announced a rule change that goes into effect at the end of January. It will allow fund managers to invest your money in stock comp in stocks of companies that favor left-wing policies even if there is a lower return. So these new rules pave the way for your 401ks, 401k savings to be put into what they refer to as ESG funds. But you can't stop. I mean, but you can stop this from happening if, if you're very vigilant about what you know about your finances. But now we're saying that we are we are we are going to, to ESG funds. And people are like, Tim, what is an ESG fund? Well, the E stands for environment. The S stands for social justice, and the G stands for governments, governance. Meaning, who gets to hire a put on these companies' boards? ESG's funds generally invest in companies that oppose fossil fuels, support unionization, and stress gender and race diversity over merit. <laughs> Some people uh, also consider ESG to be referred to as expect slower growth. You are putting your money and giving your money to the 401k so you can retire, so you can hit 65 and retire. You're not putting it in your money so you can fund social justice programs because the Biden administration thinks that it's a good idea. And the regulations cite Biden's goals to prioritize both environmental justice, environmental justice, and creation of well-paying union jobs. When do we go back to the unions? When do we go back? Are we going to go back to union busters? 
I, I know I know the younger generation, Gen X doesn't, excuse me, Gen Z is not going to know what union busters are. These were guys that we used to, you know, when unions and like, uh, when unions went on strikes and things back in the 50s and 60s, they had these guys that you called union busters. And the union busters came in and basically busted heads of the union, the people in your union to get their asses back to work. It was not a good time in, in American history. But this is, again, this is like going back to the dark ages of our economies back in the 50s and the 60s. You have to get the ESG fund with the ESG agenda, which also adopts for climate change, diversity, and unionization. It's all about abortion and democracy. It's, it's, you, you feel like we're, we are getting stuck in this rut with this administration. You have to feel that way. Now, like I said, employees should and can avoid getting into these ESG plans. They can. And, but you have to be very vigilant and you have to understand what's being on and you have to look at what your fund manager is doing. Elon Musk nailed it the other day. I saw a tweet. He nailed, the dude nailed it. He has been, he, Elon Musk is the ultimate now Twitter troll. He had been before he purchased Twitter, but now he is the ultimate Twitter troll. ES, and his tweet was, ESG is the devil. <laughs> it's all about control. It's all about sitting there and taking control away from you, the taxpayer, especially the middle-class taxpayer, because I'm a middle-class taxpayer. It's taking that away and turning around and giving the power back to the government, taking that power away from the people. We are the people. And turning it around and giving it control back to the government. It's communism. It's socialism. It's whatever you want to call it, but that's what it is. That's what it is. And they just did a survey, a CEO survey. CEO optimism has plunged to a two-year low as the economy, people are saying, are twittering, uh, twittering, <laughs> Twittering, teetering. <laughs> I got the Twitter on the mind. I got the Twitter on my mind. You were always on my mind. Tell me that your sweet love wouldn't die. Uh, I already think the economy is in a recession. But optimism among CEOs on Wall Street has tumbled over and to an, a low over the last two years. And this was done by the Business Roundtable. And it was a survey for the CEO economic look. The look index plunged 11 points during the fourth quarter to the lowest levels in more than two years. That's, that's, that's concerning. And some of the things that people are concerned with the continued supply chain challenges, inflations, uncertainty, many CEOs remain cautious about domestic plans and expectations for the next six months, says General Motors CEO Mary Barra at the uh, Business Roundtable chair in a statement. Sentiment fell across the board Basically, they're saying planning from hiring. Hiring has tumbled by 17 points. Expectations for sales declined by eight points. And the plans for capital investment has dropped seven points over the last quarter. This is just over the last quarter. The biggest fear people are saying that CEOs are facing is the growing labor costs. And the, well, don't worry, because Nancy Pelosi has an idea for that. Remember, she just, uh, we're all racist because we need the illegal immigrants to come home and pick the crops. That's per Nancy Pelosi, not me. But but the the right is the racist ones. Um, but that's okay. There are no stupid questions, only stupid people. <laughs> uh, you know what? I really have to get my sound. I have to get my sound effect, a sound of effect board situated. 
Uh, we we I do another podcast. I do I do a sports podcast. It's kind of popular, um, and we you know we use um, we use a lot of sound effects. And I, I have a, I have multitudes of sound effects boards, and they're professional great sound effects boards. But the problem is there's like fifty to hundred buttons, and I've never labeled them. So I think at one point in time I really need to label them because, like I said, you know, great. You know, if I was talking about the CEOs, this would have been a great sound effect. My professional opinion that now is the time to panic. Because that's what the CEOs are doing right now. But that's okay. There are no stupid questions, only stupid people. I see. I see. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find that. Oh, here it is. But that's okay. Remember, there are no stupid questions, just stupid people. See, if I had all those sound effects, they'd be really funny. We also have to talk about the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates at the most aggressive pace since the 1980s. And this is in their bid, of course, to tackle, to tackle inflations. They have approved six straight rate hikes, putting the federal fund rate in a range between 3.75 and 4 from near zero in March. I always thought it was time to raise interest rates, but I didn't think they were going to raise interest rates at this exponential clip. And you have to be concerned and I love Jerome Powell, the federal, you know, federal chairman, of course, Fed chairman. The time for moderating the pace of the, incre- of the rate increase may come as soon as December. Yeah, he said that, and then the, the wheels fell off the bus again. But you have so many CEOs now concerned about the longevity of this recession, the longevity of how inflation is going to, is going to be a part of our, our, our way of being. They are so concerned about this. And rightfully so. I think, you know, the the definition was of, of a recession was two negative quarters in a row. That's the definition. That has always been the definition of the recession. You know, but but in Biden speak, it's uh, basically, well, no, that's yeah, well, technically, yeah, that's that's the technical term for a recession. That doesn't really mean that's a recession. And they give you all the reasons why it's not a recession. Oh, Gavin Newsom. You got to love Gavin Newsom. He's unveiled a new plan. I love this because you know what? It's the evil oil companies, or I should say. It's the evil oil industry and refineries. (laughs) We need to cap their profits. Uh, He's come up with a wonderful plan that he is going to cap oil refinery profits. This is a great way to get uh, oil refineries to... uh, to produce more gasoline that we need it. And I love Gavin Newsom because he talks about green energy. He talks about, you know, you know, electric cars and this. And then he import little known fact that most people don't understand. California imports a lot of its energy. <laughs> so they go out, they go out of their way to speak about how they're being green, but they also go out of the way to import a large segment of their energy just to keep the lights on. And I loved it during the the end of the summer when they told people, don't charge your electric cars because we're gonna have rolling blackouts. Because we don't have enough power. This is what I love about the also electric car industry. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to bash the industry, but it, it's a proven fact that making a battery for an electric car is like 10 times worse for the environment. And of course, we have to get all the pieces from China. That doesn't help any. And then you have to use fossil fuels just to charge your electric car. So not only is it bad for the environment to create and make the battery, but it's also you have to use fossil fuels to power the vehicle, which is using electric energy to make it run. <laughs> are we not are we not seeing something here? 
But Gavin Newsom unveiled a plan to find reform, oh, excuse me, oil companies for making too much money and return those funds to the public. Thank God for Gavin Newsom. We didn't have Gavin Newsom. We we would all be we would all just be terrible. It would all just be terrible. The Democratic governor unveiled a plan, um, and and he did it alongside uh, Nancy Skinner, who was uh, state senator. And it was this was during a special legislation which focused solely on the oil industry because it's evil. And I love it. California price gouging penalty is simple. Either big oil reigns in the profits and prices, or they'll pay the penalty, says Newsom. Big oil has been lying about gouging Californians and lying in their own pockets enough. <laughs> really. The people that are keeping your, your, your cars running, the people, you hate fossil fuels. And I don't know if you hate fossil fuels because of the fact that these are also the same people that drive around these huge limousines that put off all these emissions. But I don't know if you hate fossil fuels to the point that it's just something cliched or chic, I should not cliche, but chic to do. But you're now going after the people that create the gas and the oil, which in turn, you have some of the highest gas prices in the country, so they can then make less profits and pass along the costs to the consumer. Now, what is interesting about this and which is critical to this proposal passing is the proposal has been class classified as a fine, as a civil penalty, not a tax. And this means that only a simple majority would need would be needed to basically pass instead of the two-thirds majority that is required to raise taxes. So right now, the average price in California is $4.71. The national average is $3.38. <laughs> Uh, that uh, I mean, that's crazy. That's the national average in California. It's four dollars and seventy-one cents. Now I'm gonna read that again. The national average for gas price right now in California is four dollars and seventy-one cents, above the national average of three dollars and thirty-eight cents. Uh, gas prices are always higher in California. Why? Because there's taxes, there's fees, or environmental regulations. Regulations. Regula I can't even talk today. Regulations that other states don't have. Now, reporters who spoke with Newsom said the goal of the penalty is to prevent gas prices from shooting up further, calling it a proactive effort in order to change behavior. All they are going to do is now pass, all they're going to do is refine less, drill less, and pass that cost onto the consumer, which you are already getting more money from. Now, the California legislation is in session for most of the year. Um, they typically consider hundreds of bills, but this is something that's, that's coming down from the government. Now, the government can call on lawmakers in California into a special session limited to just discussing specific issues, which you know he's going to do. He said he's going to call upon the session on gas prices because it would help lawmakers stay focused on the issues. But I love it because, and you know, and there are certain counties and states, uh, excuse me, there are certain counties in California that switched red. And I love it because they're, they're saying that, uh, um, but legislatures, leaders right now don't appear to be in any hurry to pass the bill. Lawmakers convened in a special session for mere minutes on Monday, long enough to adopt rules and appoint leaders, but they won't reconvene until January. Ah, are you crazy? Ow. Yeah, I'm crazy. What made you think I was saying? That's one of the things you just look at with California. Are, uh, and and like I said, they talk. Everyone is always talking about for the people, for the people, for the people. But nobody talk. And, and but their actions do not show it's for the people, for the people, for the people.
It's always it's always about special interest groups. It's always about the progressive agenda. It's always about that. It it just kind of makes you sad. It kind of makes you sad. I wanted to talk about Dick Durbin. Because uh, Durbin wants to uh, basically come after your credit card rewards. <laughs> you know how you get reward points and things in reference to you know to your trans your, tra- your transactions on your credit card and spending money. He wants to come after that. We're not. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get into that on the next podcast. But we we're gonna need we're gonna need to talk about that. It's it's all part of the credit card uh, c- was it competition act. We're we're gonna we're gonna talk about the next episode. We're not gonna talk about that right now. Uh, those that are sport fans, Aaron Judge just signed a massive contract uh, to agree with the Yankees to stay with the Yankees for nine years. Good for Aaron. Good for Aaron Judge. He finally had he had another one of his big seasons. He came back off the injury, so it's um you know you gotta give you gotta give big kudos to him for getting paid and getting his money. Um, there's just there's just so many things going on right now. There are so many things that are wrong right now. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those things that you have to hope and pray you can get through these things as, as a family, and you have to hope that you, you can weather the storm. I've always talked about that we had to kind of weather an eight-year storm with Obama, and you have to – and, I, you know, hopefully people have been preparing for the next – Four years, because I, I think there'll be issues if we have another Democratic president. Uh, because Lord knows what what they're going to want to do. Because of the fact that they they always preach it's about the people, it's about the middle class. And you know what? As someone who is middle class, I get we get squeezed every day, and we're always told it's for our own benefit, or we're told that you know what we're helping other people. No, you're helping the less fortunate. Well, you know what? When everyone continues to help the less fortunate, the people that are the middle class all of a sudden become the less fortunate. And I think that's what they want to do, and that's how they want to create this society. Again, everyone, this is Tim. This is Get Off My Lawn, the Matt Ramblings of a Gen Xer. We've said it once before. We'll say it always again. The truth shall set you free. And I'm out of here.